Good morning and welcome to Alternative News, produced by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament and broadcast by 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Alternative News is produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people and broadcast from the stolen lands of the Bururung peoples of the Kulin Nations. I'm Zachary Doney, a CICD member and hospitality worker. This week we're going to touch briefly on a protest in Japan before having a look at Belarus. We'll go over its formation as a modern state, its economy and geopolitical importance and a look at the current situation. First, to Japan. We hear about protests in Hokkaido from our contributor Floyd Kermode. Thanks, Floyd. The GSDF, Japanese Ground Self-Defense Force, or Army, as it would be called in most other countries, roused protests in the northern island of Hokkaido when they conducted training exercises using three tanks, 11 armored trucks, and 32 military vehicles on a public road on the first day of September this year. Protesters chanted, don't use our road. The protests are unusual for their location. While Japan's Pacific island of Okinawa, where 40% of the island is used by the US military, has long been the site of protests by local people against the presence of US bases due to noise pollution, um, assaults by US Marine Corps members and other disturbances, Hokkaido in the far north is usually known for snow in the winter, and hiking in the summer. However, Hokkaido has been the site of increased cooperation between the US Marine Corps and the GSDF recently. And this January, they conducted some of the largest joint exercises in the history of Japanese cooperation with the American military, involving 1,600 members from the GSDF and about 2,500 US Marines. The increasing size of the exercises and the cooperation between the GSDF and the Marines is no coincidence. It comes after years of efforts by both Japanese politicians and the US to push the boundaries of Japan's post-war constitution, which forbids Japan from having a standing army. Recent administrations have tested the limits by using Japanese forces as support for American military operations and increasing the scope and range of cooperation with the Marines. However, As the Hokkaido protesters show, the militaristic politicians don't have it all their own way. Older Japanese have vivid memories of the awful consequences of the last time Japan had a strong military society, and several generations have grown up used to a country which put its own prosperity ahead of military expansion, and well aware of Hiroshima, Nagasaki and the firebombing of Tokyo. The protests in Hokkaido will not be the last we hear of Japan's large pro-peace constituency. And now to Belarus. The East Slavic state of Belarus emerged from feudalism under the alternating dominion of Russia and Poland. Various programs of Polonization or Russification have changed the religion and character of its people over the centuries. Belarus as a national identity didn't exist prior to 1917. While the Belarusian ethnicity existed, prior to the 1861 abolition of serfdom in the Russian Empire, the people of what is now Belarus would have identified more with their village and their lord than the national identity of Belarus. 
as an outcome of World War I and the Russian Civil War, the region was split and a portion of the West became part of Poland. The Catholic religious minority is concentrated here. The remaining part of the country became the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic, which was part of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics until its dissolution in 1991. At the same time as the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic was established, the Belarusian National Republic was also established as a puppet nation of the German Empire. This is the origin of the white-red-white flag of the contemporary opposition. This flag was also used by the Nazi Occupation Administration and its collaborators during World War II. The Belarusian National Republic was almost immediately sidelined by the Soviet Socialist Republic of Belarusia and to this day carries the auspicious title of longest-serving government in exile. The BSSR was occupied by the Nazis in 1941 before being liberated by the Red Army in July of 1944. In 1945, Western Belarus was returned from Polish possession to the BSSR. After World War II, Belarus joins what became the United Nations. In 1986, the country suffered greatly from the fallout of the Chernobyl nuclear reactor disaster. And in 1990, Belarus begins to declare independence from the USSR and gains this in 1991. Lukashenko was elected in 1994 and remains to this day. More on this to come. Lukashenko wanted to create a union state of Belarus and Russia. He began this process when Boris Yeltsin was the president of Russia, and when Vladimir Putin was elected in 2000, the new Russian president put the union on the back burner. Currently, the union state exists as predominantly an economic alliance. The two countries generally enjoy a warm economic relationship, but this is not always the case. The Belarus as Russian puppet narrative is simplistic and untrue, though often repeated. To economic matters now, Belarus is heavily dependent on Russian energy sources and plays an important role in the export of Russian hydrocarbons to Europe. It inherited from the USSR an important section of oil and natural gas pipelines, from which 50% of Russian oil and 30% of Russian natural gas is exported annually to Europe. At the same time, it earns significant revenue from the processing of Russian crude oil, as it has large refineries which produce gasoline and diesel which resell in European countries, which make up about 25% of state budget revenues, or 8 billion euros a year. In addition, it has received a number of subsidies and loans from Russia, which currently account for 40% of its external debt, while the second largest financier is China at 26% of external debt. In addition, Russia is the main importer of Belarusian products, that being dairy products, tractors and buses, while China is the second large importer of said products. In February 2020, the U.S. Secretary of State, Mr. Pompeo, visited Belarus, stating that the USA can meet 100% of the energy needs of Belarus in hydrocarbons. Lukashenko declared that the country would cut its Russian hydrocarbon imports to 30-40% of its needs, proceeding to purchase American and maybe even Saudi oil. 
It is worth noting that this arrangement was not finalized and may have been announced solely to provide Belarus with some leverage with regard to the state of affairs with Russia. It is also of note that on August 10th, the day after the contested Belarusian presidential elections, a tanker docked in Lithuania carrying 76,000 tonnes of American crude oil ordered by the president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko. In general, Belarus is economically tied to Russia and China, but makes overtures to the West to give it leverage in its alliance with Russia. Which brings us to geopolitics. Relations between Belarus and Russia are friendly, but this is not always the case. There have been instances of trade wars between the two states. This shows that Belarus is not a Russian puppet, as put forward by Western media outlets. For instance, Lukashenko on several occasions has undermined Russian plans to deepen the Eurasian Economic Union. This has the effect of shaking up plans for a common currency. At the last teleconference summit of the Eurasian Economic Union in May 2020, Belarus and Armenia blocked the Russian proposal for strategic development until 2025, citing, above all, the need for the same prices for hydrocarbons across Eurasian Economic Union territories. The strategic position of Belarus is very important to Russia. Russian hydrocarbons travel through Belarus to Europe, and Belarus is also holding back NATO from embracing part of Russia's border. The European Union and the USA for years now view Belarus as a forbidden fruit. For this reason, they pressured Lukashenko to open up the country to the West, to proceed with political and economic reforms. They have been pressuring for decades, at times with the carrot, and this would be the European Union Eastern Partnership, but mainly with the stick through financing and training opposition forces, imposing sanctions on the leadership of Belarus, and developing and strengthening NATO forces on its borders. Belarus is also the last country which China's Belt and Road Initiative will pass through before hitting Europe. It stands to reason China has a vested interest in a stable and cooperative Belarus. As far as stability goes, there are some real issues in the country. On the 9th of August of 2020, there took place elections in Belarus. Lukashenko won these elections with 80% of the vote. His closest rival, Svetlana Tikhonovskaya, got 10% of votes, and the others came in even further behind. To complicate this situation, various opposition candidates were barred from participating in this election and jailed or self-exiled. Supporters of the opposition claimed election results are fake and called for the international community to recognise Tikhonovskaya as president of Belarus. The European Union has imposed sanctions, as has the United States of America. Protests over the legitimacy of this election, protests over the election result erupted and were heavily repressed by police, with mass arrests and reports of deaths. The protests are made up of the petty bourgeois, small business owners, students and some sections of the working class. The main figurehead of the protesters is Svetlana Tikhonovskaya, the wife of blogger and businessman Sergei Tikhonovsky, who was arrested on charges of obstructing elections. 
Other figureheads include Victor Barbarica, former chairman of the board of the Belgas Prom Bank, who represents the interests of the big businessmen, who was also arrested on the 18th of July on charges of tax evasion and money laundering. Valerie Sepkalo, another businessman and founder of High Tech Park, who is in favour of privatising industrial enterprise and integrating Belarus into the world system. For instance, joining Belarus to the World Trade Organization. This person has self-exiled since his candidacy was denied. All of these oppositionists have in common the goal of opening Belarus to Western markets. The demands of the protesters, in essence, are to apply shock therapy, similar to Yeltsin's shock therapy in Russia, by enacting widespread privatization, casualizing jobs, removal of price controls, and to remove education standards, as well as for Belarus to move away from Russia and move towards the West. The prominent display of the white-red-white Rutheran Belarus flag, which is a symbol of the opposition, raises some questions about the character of this opposition. Now, some of this opposition are indeed legitimate grievances against the current regime, but overall the opposition stands to benefit Western interests more than actually dealing with the problems of the country and the grievances of the people. In summary, we're left with one of these neither-nor choices. Lukashenko is not great. He's been slowly privatising the economy, eroding workers' rights, and brutally suppressing dissent in his country. The opposition presents another poor choice, making vague promises of free and clean elections, freedom and democracy, and ending of dictatorship, while actually wanting to open the country to Western control and as a buffer against Russia. The protests have a reactionary nationalist right-wing element, as we can see from the white-red-white flag, and the Lukashenko administration has a right-wing characteristic, as we can see from the suppression of workers' rights and the further privatizations in the economy. All in all, it seems that Belarus is having its own term on the carousel of imperialist meddling. Thanks for listening. I've been Zachary Doney for Alternative News, broadcast on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Tune in next week, and stay tuned for Concrete Gang.